Welcome to I Wonder, a production from the Badger Podcast Network. Hi, Meg. (laughs) Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very happy to be recording our first episode of this podcast Me together. Me too. That was a good lead-in to that. <laughs> Saying hi after we had been sitting down for 20 minutes. Hi, Meg. How's it going? It's good. We have not existed outside of this podcast. No, no. we haven't. This is the first time I've seen you in Th- years. This is the first time I think I've actually come into existence <laughs> ever. So it's good to be here. Well... Since that's the case, why don't we get to know each other a little better? That sounds great. And um, I'm Chris. I'm Meg, and I actually have some questions prepared for this moment. Okay. So we want to introduce ourselves to one another Mm -hmm. um, because we don't know each other. We don't know each other. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a lie. We do know each other. But um, we want our audience to get to know us Mm -hmm. because what if they don't know who we are? Very true. Because we have listeners from everywhere, I think. Definitely my Facebook and yours. And my Facebook. So Mm -hmm. together that's what, like 1,600 white people from the Midwest? (laughs) (laughs) All of the Midwest. All of the Midwest. So we got the Midwest covered, but we we want, you know, you guys to know us as well as we know you. Mm -hmm. So once again, welcome to I Wonder our new podcast the new podcast that we just decided the name for Mm -hmm. about three minutes ago and um it's a podcast where well chris why don't you tell them it's a podcast where we're just gonna tell each other stories about things that make us wonder Mm -hmm. and i'm excited about it because i have a lot of questions about a lot and i don't know anything (laughs) (laughs) so i'm excited to ask some questions and maybe get some answers all right who knows well first question first question First question to get to know one another um, that I particularly like is what would be your first question after waking up from being cryogenically frozen for 100 years? So 2117, assuming you'd be cryogenically frozen like today or tomorrow. I would probably ask if Trump did that to me. (laughs) Is that a result of like nuclear war? Did I cryogenically freeze myself to avoid the nuclear holocaust? <laughs> yeah, like, if if you're waking up, that's like assuming that there's still, like, a civilization that is waking you up <laughs> out of being cryogenically frozen. My second question would be, why? That's a good, <laughs> that's a good question. Why am I still here? That's a good question, too. Mm-hmm. What about you? What would you think? I think I would have something in a similar vein like who did this to me (laughs) (laughs) like did i do because i can't imagine did i do this i can't imagine tomorrow me being like i'm gonna cryogenically freeze myself but Mm -hmm. also i don't know what tomorrow will bring but then like if i didn't do it who did and for what purpose to whomst it really makes you wonder yeah (laughs) podcast title podcast title (laughs) it really makes you i wonder (laughs) (laughs) it makes you i wonder (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think, like, I would like to have something, like, eloquent and, like, poignant and poetic to say once I come out of being frozen, but, like, it would probably just be, like, where can I find food? (laughs) (laughs) 
do you have oh, any yeah. food? Definitely. The would first be... thought would be about yeah. food. <laughs> cool. So we are two students at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. We are. And we're members of the Badger Podcast Network. We are that too. I have not paid my dues for that yet. I have. <laughs> Why don't you say a little bit about what the Badger Podcast Network is? I will. So the Badger Podcast Network is um, a club that was started last semester by one of my really good friends, Jonah Blocker. Um, I don't know if I should say his full name, but like I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he was really interested in getting a podcast club off the ground and um, recognized that there wasn't a club yet for that, for people to do that. And so he was like, why don't I do it? And last semester, I think they had a whopping total of, like, three participants, one being Jonah. But this semester, we have, like, 20 people who are in the podcast club. And basically, it's just a group of people who get together once a week. And Jonah is kind of in charge of, like, pretty much everything right now. Because since it's still (laughs) super new, he doesn't have a lot of people who are, like, taking on tasks. But... Yeah, and there everyone is just interested in making podcasts about whatever they want. There's one about I think Dungeons and Dragons. There's one about uh, bathrooms, like people <laughs> review bathrooms that they go into. Jonah and I have one about it's an advice podcast, but really it's just us like catching up with one another essentially during the week. And then cutting out people's like personal details that you're gossiping right. about. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty exciting. If you're, hey, if you're in the Wisconsin area slash are a member of the UW campus, then you should join it because it's fun. Definitely. Um, and there's like no responsibilities except <laughs> making a podcast with your friends, which is exciting. Plus, Jonah's fun to be around. He's quirky. He's a quirky guy. He's a, he's a quirky one. <laughs> So how we envision this podcast is that we're just going to tell each other stories that really interest us. Mm -hmm. And this week, I think I'm going to do my favorite weird story. I'm excited. You told me like little snippets about it last week. And I have to say, I am intrigued because you mentioned the word mummy (laughs) and you mentioned the words drag queen and those three Mm -hmm. words combined really get me going. So (laughs) I am excited about it. So this is the story of Dory and Corey. That was not meant to rhyme. Oh my god. (laughs) The drag queen who had a mummy in her closet. So Dory and Corey was a drag queen who was born in 1937 and she died in August 29th of 1993, which is 15 days after I was born. Ooh. So I'm just going to make this about me already. <laughs> so this story is about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's about me. Um, Corey's best known for being the featured wisdom-dispensing drag queen in the 1990 documentary Paris is Burning, which is about the ball culture of New York City. Hmm. Paris is Burning is like one of my favorite gay movies ever. The last time I, I've like seen it a dozen times, and the last time I watched it, I was drunk on my apartment floor <laughs> eating pizza that sounds like the best way to watch a movie just like cackling at some of the lines in mm-hmm. it. <laughs> and half of the best lines in the movie belong to dory and cory so cory was raised on a farm in buffalo new york in the 1950s she worked as a window dresser in a buffalo department store before moving to new york city to study art she would talk about her life referring to the farm and her memories there but she wouldn't mention particular people 
After she got breast implants and went on female hormones, she cut ties with her family in Buffalo. So I imagine they were more conservative and didn't really accept her for who she was. Mm. But that's speculation. Um, In the 60s, Corey toured as a snake dancer in the Pearl Box Review, a cabaret drag act. Most queens dance with, like, feather boas, but she danced with boa constrictors. Like a real... Like, real boa constrictors? Like an actual snake. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like, multiple snakes? Or just, like, one at a time? I assume, like, one at a time. So, she did the Britney Spears thing before Britney Spears made that thing. Oh, yeah. Watch out, 2007 VMAs Britney. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, A friend of her recalls how the snakes would, and this is a quote, Mm -hmm. bite her affectionately. She was bleeding, but it was part of the act. Oh Oh my god. So imagine just like bleeding for your art. Literally, I was complaining the other day because I had to pretend to fall for a video. (laughs) And like, got a bruise from it. So I can't imagine using a boa constrictor, that boa constrictor biting me and me being like, it's fine. It's the performance. This is okay. Yeah. Tip me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Seriously. Wow. She better have gotten good tips. <laughs> so Dorian was the mother of the voguing house of Corey. Do you know what voguing is? Isn't, is voguing this? Yes. You're like, I'm doing you're the Madonna doing the thing. Madonna thing. <laughs> yeah. I know that like people listening to this podcast can't see me doing it, right. but. It's like a stylized form of dance that mimics um, like runway poses at times. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it like came out of. New York. Okay. Dorian Corey won over 50 grand prizes from the voguing balls. 50? <laughs> yeah. Um, she hosted a drag show at the bar Sally's 2, where she'd wear really elaborate costumes, dresses like chandeliers, Marie Antoinette, complete with guillotine. <laughs> complete with guillotine. And a 30 by 40 foot feather cape that once shed was lifted up on poles by two attendants like a feathery tent over the audience. That's iconic. When will your fave? Yeah. Unfortunately, Dorian Corey was diagnosed with AIDS shortly before the release of Paris is Burning. And on August 29th, 1993, Corey died of AIDS-related complications at the age of 56. So, like, that's really sad, but... That is really sad. This is where the story gets interesting. Mm. <laughs> I'm nervous. So um, Dorian's friend who helped take care of her for the last years of her life was going through her small cramped apartment with a couple of customers, two straight guys who wanted to find a cape for a Halloween vampire costume. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're picturing what Dorian's apartment looked like, just imagine the gayest episode of Hoarders ever. Okay, yeah. And that's pretty much what it was. Mm-hmm. It was so cluttered, a sergeant from the local precinct Remarked on how you could lose a small child in there. Oh my god. Um, that's kind of ironic because of what happens <laughs> <laughs> So while searching for something that could be used for a vampire cape, Lois came across... Lois is the friend. Mm-hmm. She came across an old green plaid suitcase from the 60s. It was folded over on the floor under a gown. And it was so heavy that Lois couldn't lift it. She didn't bother trying to find the zipper and simply told the men to cut it open with a pair of scissors. 
I guess if your friend is dead, you might as well just cut up just their... Just go through their just stuff. cut it up with scissors. Yeah, I think I'd probably be fine with people just cutting open my shit after I'm dead. <laughs> because, like, I don't care. And if I get mad, I can just, like, haunt them. <laughs> and be like... I really like that bag yeah, from the like, 60s. <laughs> yeah, like, don't go through my stuff. <laughs> uh, where was I? She didn't bother trying to find the zipper and simply told the men to cut it open with a pair of scissors. That's when a horrible stench filled the room. In Lois's words, that's when we called the police. Because, honey, I wasn't chancing it. <laughs> I Good feel for like Lois. <laughs> that's exactly the sentiment you should have. I feel like she would survive a horror movie. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone would die, and she'd be like, why are we in this house <laughs> in the first place? I already left. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I'm gone. I was here for the first 10 minutes. Yeah. But then something slightly creepy happened, and I left. And I was like, yeah. peace. Bye. <laughs> So two days later, the New York Newsday headline was No Trick or Treat, Just a Mummy in a Suitcase. Oh my god. Because inside the bag was a mummified corpse bound up in the fetal position. Mummified. A mummified corpse, yep. Um, The body was covered in saran wrap and baking soda and was only wearing a pair of boxers. Oh my god. It was the body of a man in his 30s and he'd been shot in the head. (gasps) Did they ever find out who the man was? Yeah, they did. That's coming. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get ahead of me. I'm sorry. The mortician slash detective in charge of examining the body said he was in a mummified state, but in a soupy sort of mummified state. Ugh. This is because he was wrapped in plastic, which didn't allow the body to decompose naturally. So like all that fluid that would normally <laughs> find a way out was just like saran wrapped to him. So. Ew. Mm. Oh my god, he was like marinating. He was just marinating. Ew. Uh, for about 20 years, because that's about how long they said he was in there. Oh my god, that... I can smell that smell. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a rotting person. It's fully a rotting person. Wow. This is from the mortician again, where he said, People just wrap a body in whatever is available. It's just spontaneous. You wrap it up, then you put it in a suitcase, then you put it in the closet... Then you just look at it periodically and wish it would go away. <laughs> the mortician said this? The mortician is saying this like it's just happening on a day-to-day ba- basis. I mean, I guess it is for him. But, like, how many... I don't know... Okay, granted, I don't know the life of many morticians. <laughs> but I can't imagine many morticians are finding... Are, like, being shown these bodies... That people have murdered and then mummified. Like, oh, here's another Just like another soupy. saran wrap. <laughs> soupy old guy. Another soupy old corpse from a drag queen's closet. Like, oh, he's saying it like it's just, it's like <laughs> trash that you don't want to take out. <laughs> that you just stare at and you're like, nah, tomorrow. I freak out about sending emails to people. Let alone dealing with Let the alone, corpse. Yeah, dealing mm-hmm. with a soupy 30-year-old corpse. So this <clears throat> soupy corpse sat in the suitcase for about 20 years, like oh I gosh. said. Um, I'll spare you some of the other gross details oh my gosh, that I please. found. Somehow the mortician was able to fingerprint the corpse and get a match. Oh my god, this mortician. Yeah. This mortician is also an icon. Like He's also very, iconic. Very casual about a mummified soup of a man. But did he do it with his snake around his neck? <laughs> that is true. It's <laughs> a valid point. So a match comes back for this 
he managed to like fingerprint all 10 of this guy's fingers. Oh my gosh. I don't know how. They must have been so pruny. I, yeah, right? How do you, how, <laughs> how does do that you, happen? How do you do that? The body belonged to Robert Worley, a man who had previously been incarcerated for rape. So not a great guy by any no, means. No, not a good guy. Terrible guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was incarcerated for rape, which is the reason that they had anything about this guy on file. Right. So although Doria never told anybody the story of why a mummy was in her back room, there are two theories that her friends spread around. One theory is that Robert was a would-be burglar that Dorian shot during a break-in. Okay. And I think this is probably the more likely of the stories that Mm -hmm. they told. Because the other one's a little more dramatic. Mm -hmm. And that's that Robert was her boyfriend for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that he got abusive and then she shot him in self-defense. And I like researched all the evidence behind both of the theories, but... It's kind of sketchy, and it's, like, secondhand at best. Yeah. Some people talked about how she wrote a short story that talked about a drag queen killing her lover, but I don't know if that's true. Mm -hmm. And other people said she left a note on the body saying, this poor soul, I shot him during a break-in, whatever. Mm. But I didn't see anything about that in, like, the more credible news sources, so all of that could just be, like, gossip from her friends. If you think about it, it makes sense that a black transgender drag queen living in Harlem back then wouldn't call the police after an intruder, like, broke into their apartment. I think the odds of her, like, not facing discrimination for something like that would be very low. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. I think either way, it seems like either, like, both theories end in it being like a self an act of self-defense and i think Mm -hmm. you're absolutely right that like if she called the police as a black trans woman probably gone to jail for it definitely jail time yeah uh plus like the gun it was probably not a registered gun right yeah (laughs) there's also the possibility that she just murdered him in cold blood yeah yeah if this was her boyfriend, maybe she shot him. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. It could have been an act of, like, passion, a crime of passion. Could have been a crime of passion, but her friends don't... Believe that. They don't think she would be capable of that. Yeah. And I don't really either, after watching interviews with her and stuff, mm-hmm. she seemed like a pretty mellow person. Yeah. But that's, again, that's speculation mm-hmm. and just based on emotion and opinion. Who knows? She could have had a really dark... Yeah, really dark side. Really dark side. The final words of Paris is Burning belong to Dorian Corey, where she says, I always had hopes of being a big star. And as you get older, you aim a little lower. And I say you still might make an impression. Everybody wants to leave something behind them, some mark upon the world. Then you think you left a mark on the world if you just get through it. And a few people remember your name. Then you left a mark. You don't have to bend the whole world. I think it's better to just enjoy it. Pay your dues and enjoy it. If you shoot an arrow and it goes real high, hooray for you. And that's the story of Dorian Corey and the mummy in her closet. (laughs) Wow. Well, that is an honestly wild ride. My question is, how wouldn't her friends have known if she was dating someone for a long time? Yeah, you would think so. Like... I feel like she would introduce him at some point, or Mm -hmm. 
there would be at least some knowledge or awareness of the fact, like, hey, like, where is she spending all of her time? <laughs> like, shouldn't she be hanging out with us? And it's like, oh, no, like, she has a boyfriend. So, to me, I feel like the first one is also, like, the more plausible one because if this guy already had a record for raping someone and, like, was mm-hmm. in jail for that, then robbing somebody probably wouldn't have been a super big felony to him. Right. So I couldn't imagine he would have many qualms with, like, going into someone's home and being like, <clears throat> oh, I'm going to rob this place. Also, was it in Harlem, did you yes. say? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Harlem in, what, the 19... 19- 70s yeah harlem in the 1970s wasn't great so mm-hmm. my guess is, is that again he would have no qualms with like robbing someone's place of residence yeah and i feel like in that sense like i mean i have no idea what i would do in a situation like that if someone was robbing me oh my god right i feel like i would just go blank <laughs> and then i would just like do whatever i would be capable of to like get out of that situation i don't know i just feel like that first theory makes more sense than the second one. Mm-hmm. The other crazy thing is that she, like, moved several times during that 20 years. Oh, so she, like, took this suitcase with her. So she was lugging this body around with her. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is wild. But my my other question is, too, is, like, why didn't she just, like, go and dump it in a river or something? Like, dump this suitcase. Well, I right. guess the suitcase could have been traced back to her, but, like... She could have, like, saran-wrapped the body in, like, gloves or something so she didn't get any fingerprints on it. Now I'm being, like, very criminal and creepy, (laughs) but, like, she could have done it in, like, gloves so she wouldn't have gotten any fingerprints on it and just gone and dumped the body in a river. Right. And then she wouldn't have to keep moving it around. Or maybe maybe she just liked being this dramatic. (laughs) That's that's a valid point, too. Like, if she already had a flair for the dramatic with, like, a boa, a literal <laughs> boa the, constrictor. If she was into that high camp in real life. Yeah. Maybe she was high camp with the dead as well. That's, honestly, that would be so badass and cool. Like, can you imagine being that, like, dramatic, even in death, <laughs> that you're like, yeah, guys, guess what? Now you guys will always remember me. Yeah. Now, I had a mummy in my closet. Now two college students are going to make a podcast about Right, me. <laughs> yeah. This is my legacy. <laughs> oh my gosh. So look at this Look at this picture. Okay. This is from Paris is Burning. Okay. Do you see like what's in the foreground of the picture? Oh my gosh. Wait, is that, is that like Tutankhamun? That's like... <laughs> So she had all these, like, Egyptian-inspired stuff in her apartment. Oh, my gosh. And I'm kind of, like, fascinated by the fact... Not that this is why she had a mummified body in her house, but it's interesting that she was fascinated with that... Egyptian... Decor. Yeah. When there's literally a mummy in a bag in the back room. Oh, my gosh. That is wild. Wait, that's actually wild. And here's a picture of her just, you know... Being a fabulous drag queen. Okay. Wow, that's an ins- that's an amazing dress. <laughs> yeah, I truly am astounded at like this pharaoh <laughs> person in the foreground of this picture. Mm-hmm. And that also like even I mean the Egyptians were also pretty dramatic. Like they made entire oh, yeah giant triangles to dedicated to people who died. To, like, three people who died. Well, I'm sure there are more mummies in (laughs) in those pyramids, but, like, still. 
that's dramatic as fuck. So I can Im- I can imagine being like drawn to that and being drawn to and there's there was like a morbid definitely a morbid flair to like the Egyptians put all of, like all of the stuff with the mummies that they thought the mummies would want in the afterlife like they left them with like gold and shit and like they would mummify their pets and put that in there too. They'd be like, oh, they'll want, they'll want Mr. Whiskers in the afterlife. <laughs> so like I can imagine being like drawn, like being drawn to that as someone who's already drawn to dramatic things. But then to literally mummify somebody is a whole other step. I just feel like using saran wrap is a pretty... <laughs> saran wrap, like saran wrap... Saran wrap is wild because it's clear for one thing. So she can still just see the body that she shot Mm -hmm. and murdered, which and like, uh, oh my God, there's so many elements to the story that I'm just like, there's so many layers that make me wonder. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many things to the story that make me just say, I wonder. And also what the fuck? And also (laughs) what? That's a crazy story. Thanks for sharing. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Do you think you have any ideas of what happened? Email (laughs) us. (laughs) Let us know. Let us know in the comments below our SoundCloud. Is that a thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let us know in the comments. Well, like we have comments, I think. You can comment, I'm pretty sure. My brother did. You can email me. Yeah. Email me. Just walk up to me on the street. Just just find my email. You know that mummy? If you... <laughs> <laughs> just on the bus. Yeah. I've had weirder conversations on the bus, so... Same. Mm-hmm. Do strangers ever just, like, talk to you on the bus? Fully. Same. I don't understand why people think that that's okay. I don't know. People will do that when I'm wearing full, full-blown, over-the-ear, sound-canceling headphones. I mean, and they'll be like, the weather today, right? <laughs> <laughs> A complete stranger will yeah. do that on the bus. That mm-hmm. just happened to me yesterday. Did it really? This guy had like four hairs on his head and he'd put them in a ponytail somehow. Amazing. And he just stood up and was talking to me. Oh. I don't know what he was saying. Cool. But he seemed slightly angry. Oh. So, they always do. <laughs> I was, I they was, always <laughs> seem passionate about something. <laughs> very passionate about mm-hmm. something related to me. So I was happy when I got off that bus. Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, I used to go to, for those of you who don't know, um, I used to go to the University of Iowa my freshman year of uh, college, and there there's a CAM bus, mm-hmm. which is a campus bus, which is actually my favorite part about the campus, because it's just a hilarious pun, and I love it. Um, <laughs> but, like, mostly students rode on those buses, because it would just, like, take you all around campus, and you didn't have to get a bus pass or anything, you could just, like, go on it and whatever. Okay, yeah. And... One girl one day just, like, turned to me and just started having a full conversation with me about everything. Like, I learned about, like, her cousin was getting married and, like, she (laughs) went to the wedding. But, like, she didn't like the wife. She didn't like the wife that much, but, like, her mom really liked her. So, like, I don't really know. And she, like, she talked to me about that. And then she was, like, going on vacation. She's like, but I don't really know what to pack. And I was like, who? Where? (laughs) I was like, have you misinterpreted me for one of your friends? Like, am I a doppelganger of, like, one of your friends? Or 
do I just look that you approachable? Just, you look so <laughs> like, friendly, Meg. I just, I feel like in the, on the street, though, when I'm walking, I don't have resting bitch face, but I do have resting, oh, I do. like, I definitely I'm do. not paying attention to anything face. <laughs> because people will say hi to me on the street, and I'm not trying to be rude, but I literally just do not hear them because I'm not paying attention. Same. But anyway, so she was talking about her whole family and, like, everything that was going on in her life. She was like, oh, well, I'll see you around. I was like, did I just make a friend or, like, Who? meet... Who Someone are you? from the future who, like, I'm already friends with. I really don't know. I've had, like, people overshare like that or get weirdly personal with you. Mm-hmm. One time I was at the theater, and this didn't happen to me, but this girl was, like, talking to us from behind us. Mm-hmm. And my brother had longer hair at the time, and she just started braiding his hair oh. in a movie theater. Oh. Like, a stranger was just braiding my brother's hair, and he just let it happen. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know what I would have done either. Because I never like when people just, like, assume that they can touch people like mm-hmm. that. That's like when strangers, like, slap other... Like, sometimes girls who are strangers with each other will, like, slap each other's butt. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that's not yours. Like, don't... <laughs> don't touch <laughs> Like, me. don't touch that. Don't stop touch it. me. Like, stop, please. Consent. Yeah. Anyway, I think the bottom line is that consent is important. So the bottom line. <laughs> don't touch my bottom. So yeah, That's don't the touch bottom my bottom, line. bottom line. Don't touch my bottom. Okay, should I share my story? Yeah, what has been making you wonder lately? Okay. So mine isn't nearly as involved as Chris's because Chris had a story that he really liked and he has been thinking about it for a while. But to be fair, and I like wrote it out. <laughs> and you like wrote it out. And to be fair, I'm currently watching a show called Outlander that took up most mm-hmm. of my time today while I was doing laundry. So I was being kind of productive, but not really that productive. But something that I have wondered about in general as a person is um, Stonehenge right? I, I know you're excited about love this. love all of those. Okay. So, also inspired by Outlander, even though Stonehenge isn't in Scotland, it's in Wiltshire, England. Mm-hmm. Um, basically in the middle of nowhere. And <laughs> it's north of Salisbury, in case you're interested. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people know like what Stonehenge is, but I'm going to give a little brief summary of what it is, and then I'm going to talk about a few of like the legends slash myths behind it. Oh my god, yes. And we can like talk about <laughs> aliens. What right. we can talk about what is like more plausible. I'm so ready. This also stems from an experience that I had when I was eight and my brother was watching National Geographic and it was about Stonehenge and like why it exists. And I just remember a lot of like green filtered images of Stonehenge and people being like, why? And like, <laughs> what's going on? And like all of this stuff. Like and I was like, History Channel. And I was like, this is yeah. amazing. Like, <laughs> there's scientists doing real work. Um, like, okay. Next up, Bigfoot. Yeah. So this is just some descriptions of Stonehenge as mm-hmm. provided by Stonehenge's Wikipedia page. And it says that Stonehenge is a prehistoric monument in Wiltshire, England. Um, it's north of Salisbury, like I said, and it consists of a ring of standing stones. Which, with each standing stone around 13 feet, um, right. 13 feet high, 6 feet and 11 inches wide, and weighing around 25 tons. So, oh God, yeah. that's like 50,000 pounds. 
Um, the stones are set within earthworks in the middle of the most dense complex of Neolithic and Bronze Age monuments in England, including several hundred burial mounds. Ew. So archaeologists believe it, it was constructed from 3000 BC to 2000 BC. So this is like around the same time that Egypt, like the kingdoms of Egypt were like great. Like the old kingdom of Egypt, which was like the cool one. <laughs> that's like, I think that's the one that I'm talking about. The one that people like. The one that um, there's old kingdom, middle kingdom, new kingdom. The middle kingdom were like whatever. New mm-hmm. kingdom was Cleopatra. Old kingdom was like the shit. That's when people were like, yeah, pharaohs and like son of God and whatever. Did they have the pyramids already? No. Okay. Oh, yes. Just kidding. They did. Did the same people who made Stonehenge make make the, the pyramids, pyramids? I wonder. And put a mummy <laughs> in a closet. And put a mummy in a closet. <laughs> okay, so the surrounding circular earth bank and ditch, because there's an earth bank and ditch surrounding mm-hmm. Stonehenge, right? Um, which constitute the earliest phase of the monument, have been dated back to about 3100 BC. And radiocarbon dating suggests that the first blue stones were raised between 2400 and 2200 BC. Um, though they might have been on site as early as 3000 BC. So 3000. Yeah. So this is 3000 years before Jesus was like, literally 5,000 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. So 5,000 years ago, back when they did not have the iPhone X, back when they did not have the iPhone X, somehow a bunch of people presumably constructed (laughs) these stones. We don't know. We don't know. Constructed these stones. And, like, put up these stones that are all roughly the same size that are 25 tons. And put them in this, like, concentric, these concentric circles. Oh, my God. Isn't that wild? It's always confused me so much. Yeah. And, like, people assume that these stones, that they actually moved these stones from, like, a few miles away. Like, these stones weren't just, like, around. And they were like, oh, like, let's lift them up and put them up. Like, no. People now think that, like these stones have ac- were actually came from like somewhere else and that people moved them and somehow transported them mm-hmm. over a couple miles to where they are now. UWNet goes down for one day and the entire campus like freaks out. <laughs> and like 5,000 years ago, people were constructing these like, what, is this a calendar? I don't know. Like, I don't know what this is. But oh my God. Why? Why would they do it? We'll talk about why. But I also want to talk about um, like why people think that it was built and like legends of why it was built okay so one of the first legends is about the sun and her followers and i also like that they call the sun as she because i feel like the sun is sometimes considered to be pretty masculine but i like that the sun is a she basically in the past um it was said that people worshipped the sun and were able to communicate with the sun And that one day, a group of followers to the sun wanted to build a temple to worship her. Mm -hmm. And so the sun directed them to a small forest by the river. And she was like, hey, build me a henge out of wood. And they were like, swag, we're going to do that. So they built this henge out of wood. But then after time, it says the sun got stronger. So the sun was like, you need stone to make a henge. And they were like, okay. Because she knows what she wants. Yeah, she's strong. (laughs) She knows how to get it. She's a strong sun. And so the followers went to search for the stones. They built the Stonehenge for the purpose that the descendants of the followers and the and all the descendants of the sacred stones as well would know the sun's good deeds. What did she do? Um, she provided them with life. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. 
I can see Imagine 5,000 years ago and you seeing the sun. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck Damn, is that? That's pretty like, hot. I would probably worship the sun, too. Like, that's why I think, like, sometimes, like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, people believed in gods and all that shit. Because can you imagine it being, like, 5,000 BC and an earthquake happens? Yeah. What? Who's mad at me? Who's mad? Like, <laughs> Somebody's angry. Like, some make a sacrifice to appease the gods. And let's then by ki- then... Let's kill my firstborn. And then by then, by then, it's like three minutes later, the tectonics have stopped shifting. So you're like, <laughs> oh, so I fixed it. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome, civilization. <laughs> Another legend is that there's a legend of dancing giants. This one, I think, is less plausible. Okay. And this one is just a short legend. So one day there are giants dancing around in a field holding hands dancing around in a circle and all of a sudden <laughs> as they do as they do and all of a sudden they got frozen into stone and that's why stonehenge exists god damn it mm-hmm. so freezing bitches that's a shorter then. one so the last two that i want to talk about are mm-hmm. a little bit more like popular okay um popular legends i think and the last one is the one that I think is, like, most plausible, but I'll tell you, like, why I think it's actually most plausible. Okay, I'm excited. So, this last, or the second to last one, it's called The Legend of the Heel Stone. And it talks about how evil powers have also been associated with Stonehenge. And many believe that the devil was the possible architect of Stonehenge. Oh, shit. I know. So, the stones were originally owned by an old woman who lived in Ireland. Satan, the devil, to clarify, discovered them <laughs> okay. and wanted them for his own. Satan then dressed as a gentleman and visited the old woman, asking if the stones were for sale. When she appeared reluctant to sell the stones, Satan showed her a large bag of golden coins. He told her that she could have all the gold she could count in the time he took to move the stones. Hmm. Thinking that a gentleman could never move such large stones before she finished counting the gold, she agreed readily. But you know Satan. Oh, I know him. He's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm familiar. He's trick. Satan is tricky. So immediately, Satan used his magic powers to transport the stones back to Salisbury Plain in England, where the Stonehenge stands today. The old woman could not possibly count any gold in such a short time, so the cunning Satan kept it all. But if he can just magically transport these things, and he's Satan, mm-hmm. why does he have to pay her... Why doesn't he just do it anyways? <laughs> um, I think much like uh, Dorian Corey, mm-hmm. Satan has a flair for the theatrics. Okay. Yeah. So, like, have you ever read or watched the movie The Picture of Dorian Gray? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Satan didn't have to do that whole, like, patent, painting thing in the, in the attic. <laughs> but, like, he did. <laughs> so, like, it's fine. Oscar Wilde and metaphors. Yeah. Like... So, back to Satan. Back in Salisbury, Satan set the stones up. He got egotistical and bragged that no one would be able to tell how many stones there were. When asked, a local friar said, that is more than thee canst tell, which means that is more than can be told. That yeah. was the correct answer. The You're devil take, became... Taking me back to the Canterbury Tales yeah. here. That was the correct answer. The devil became so enraged that he threw one of the large stones at the priest. The men here hit the priest's heel, but the priest was so strong that his heel dented the stone. To this day, the stone is called the heel stone, named by John Aubrey, though some referred to it as the friar's heel. Um, This tale is purely myth, but oddly enough, there is the imprint of a foot in the stone that archaeologists today call the heel stone. There's an imprint of a foot in Stonehenge? There's an imprint of a foot. 
Who on did one of that? the stones. It's like when you have wet cement and you just like Yeah, like little do we know this is all just like poured <laughs> concrete and like they had just figured out concrete by then. This happened like not that long ago. Yeah. But we're just, we're all just pretending. <laughs> we're all just pretending that this is like just fine. Ready for the last one? Is this the more plausible one? This is the one that I think is more plausible, but I'm going to tell you why I think it's more plausible. Because I'm pretty convinced by that Dancing Giants one. Okay, wait for this one. <laughs> okay, so this is called Merlin and King Arthur's Uncle. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So according to legend in 450 AD, there was a very bloody war on Salisbury Plain between the British and the Saxons, who was the Hengist lead, an evil Saxon leader. The Saxons massacred 300 English soldiers and buried them on Salisbury Plain. So already it sounds like we have a bit of a a ghost situation on our hands. You know what I mean? King Aurelius Ambrosius, Arthur's uncle. God, what a name. I know, right? Wanted to build a monument to, to, to the slain soldiers. He enlisted the help of Merlin, who told him about an existing stone circle in Ireland. King Arthur said, send for the giant's dance which is a reference to the belief that the stone were originally giants okay, yeah, and then they were, like, yeah. turned into the thing, which is on Mount, Mount Calaris in Ireland. In that place, there is a stone construction which no man of this period could ever erect unless he combined great skill and artistry. The stones are enormous, and there is no one alive strong enough to move them. If they are placed in position around this site in the way they are put up over there, they will stand forever. Many years ago, the giants transported them from the remotest confines of Africa and set them up in Ireland at a time when they inhabited that country. Their plan was that whenever they felt ill, baths should be prepared at the foot of the stones for they used to pour water over them and to run this water into baths in which their sick were cured. Hmm. However, 15,000 of the king's men could not move the stones. Merlin then magically transported them onto ships. Okay? (laughs) Smooth winds carried them to England, and Merlin reset the stones in their Irish pattern. Later... He's just sitting back, like... He's, like, waving his I'm gonna just watch all 15 guys. (laughs) Keep it up. And it's like, yeah, that's a fun game. (laughs) Watch this. (laughs) He just transports them. So Merlin's a douchebag. Merlin's a dick. Anyway, later, King Aurelius and his brother, Arthur's father, were buried at the center of the ring. This legend would then place the building of Stonehenge at around AD 485, nearly 2,000 years later than the commonly accepted date suggested by the technique of radiocarbon dating. Okay. So we think it was Merlin? Okay. So here's my theory. Although I don't really know how the time adds up because I am a big <laughs> proponent of radiocarbon dating in science, even though I'm not bad at science. So a ton of people also in the National Geographic episode that I watched with my brother have Mm -hmm. theorized that Merlin had some part in constructing these stones and that they were like, he's magic, he can do whatever he wants. They did it because of magic. So. My idea is that. (laughs) National (laughs) Geographic just like put out (laughs) a call for anyone to wander in. (laughs) You know who it was? Who? Merlin. Merlin. <laughs> Merlin. So my idea is that, and I know this goes against the whole like carbon dating thing, but mm-hmm. my idea is that if it was Merlin, my proposal is that Merlin wasn't actually some like wizard guy. He was just some guy that was really smart at math and science mm-hmm. and was like, oh, I know how to lift these up. You just need like geometry and physics. <laughs> and they were like, oh, okay. And then he was like, do this. And they were like, oh, a magician. And that's why I think that Merlin was involved. So, like, Stonehenge is also potentially 
the origin story of Merlin? Potentially. I mean, forget the sword in the stone. Forget it. It's... It's the footprint the in foot, Stonehenge. The footprint <laughs> is Stonehenge. I way, mean, it's just way wild. more interesting. I just think it's wild that this thing was built, and there is literally no explanation for it. None. There isn't an oral story told. There isn't like a myth or a legend that has been like brought down. Besides these, mm-hmm. that's like, oh, your great great times a trillion grandfather was one of the men who, like, yeah. who helped construct this great stone hench that and like the pyramids mm-hmm. we should do an episode where one of us talks we about should. the pyramids we should do an episode where one of us talks about yeah. the pyramids just would... like we're just talking about architecture now yeah <laughs> except the end result is that we don't fucking know yeah except <laughs> Merlin. we don't know maybe it was aliens do you believe in aliens do i believe in aliens yeah the truth is out there okay well that's not even saying anything <laughs> <laughs> I've watched the X-Files. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that's saying. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in aliens? Yes. Okay, no hesitation. No hesitation, I believe in aliens. Why? I think it is absolutely just ego-driven for us to think that... that we're the only that, life in That the we are universe. the only life in the entire universe. It would take us, what, a hundred thousand light years to cross from this part of the galaxy to the next 100,000 light years and this is only one galaxy out of trillions and billions of galaxies yeah to think that we are the sole planet that can sustain life sustain life (laughs) one can sustain life so like i'm not even talking about like those tiny little microscopic life life Mm -hmm. that's that i absolutely believe is on other planets because of course but to think that we are the only planet forever to sustain like intelligent cognizant life would just be absolutely egotistical and totally naive because what i think what makes us special nothing we just don't know yet and i believe what you're saying Mm -hmm. because in history like Human beings in general have just had very self-centered views about the world. People were martyred and killed for believing that the sun revolved around us. Mm-hmm. People were killed for saying, no, nah. <laughs> that's not right. Actually, it's different. Yeah. You know? yeah. The world isn't flat and we're not the center of the universe. Right. So maybe we are just ignorant and there is more stuff out there. Mm-hmm. I think aliens probably did Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah. So bottom line... Aliens or Merlin. I have my skepticism and, like, my doubts about whether or not aliens... I don't think we would come in contact with aliens. I think aliens would come in contact with us. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think we have the technology right now to, like, contact aliens. Even though I do think that aliens exist, I think that they're so far out of our realm of, like, being able to see them or, like, come in contact with them that it would be up to them to come in contact with us. So maybe they did, and they made Stonehenge, and they're like, let's do this to fuck with them (laughs) and see what they think. (laughs) (laughs) The other theory that I liked about Stonehenge is that it's built on ley lines. Oh, yes. Did you hear anything about that? Mm -hmm. I don't know much about them, but they're Mm -hmm. like defined by the stars, these like magical lines in the earth. I've seen some stuff about that. That's a cool one, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I think, like, probably one of the more realistic ones is that it was just, like, a calendar that people built. Mm -hmm. Much like 
if that was a part of their religious practice, then I could totally see how people would dedicate their lives to creating something like that. I could totally see how people would build it. How they did it, though, I have no idea. Because that's just wild. That's the real mystery. So we don't who, know when Who stuff... even lived there back yeah. then is the question. Yeah, that's true, too. Like, who were the people that were even up north at that point? Well, we know about, like, druids from different texts that we've heard about. Mm-hmm. But we don't have a single surviving artifact from the druidic people. Yeah. And that's crazy, too. Druids are also wild. That also makes me wonder. Yeah. Because were they witches? What were they? <laughs> yeah. What was that about? What was that? Where so did you come week, from? Druids. What's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That was an amazing episode. I think. I think that was great. I think you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. Which is you don't pay for anything. So you get what you got. So you get this <laughs> a zero dollar amount <laughs> of entertainment. <laughs> Well, Meg, thank you for talking to me. Yeah, thanks for talking to me, too. Mm-hmm. I'm and so glad that we got to talk about drag queens and stones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mummies and footprints. Yeah. The sun and boa constrictors. <laughs> <laughs> Britney Spears' VMA performance yeah. in 2007. Yeah. So I think we'll do another episode sometime soon. I think we will do that as well. Yeah. So stay tuned, guys. This has been fun. Thanks for listening. Tune in another time for when we post our other thing, probably. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. This has been I Wonder, a production from the Badger Podcast Network. Music used with permission from Candy Coded.